Emerald Podcast Series. Research that makes a difference. Welcome to the Emerald Podcast. I'm Fiona Allison. Today we have Brian Glibkowski, who's Associate Professor of Management at North Central College in Illinois and CEO of Simpler Science Corp. His research focuses on the role of questions and answers in business and society. Today, Brian, we're discussing answer intelligence, your book, your framework. So I think what we do is best start off with you describing the basic framework of answer intelligence. Yeah, I'd be happy to do that. Thanks for the introduction, Fiona. Happy to be here. So I guess the great place to start is with questions. We all know questions. Going back to grade school, we're taught the six WH questions, why, what, how, when, where, who. We know open and closed questions. If you go to Amazon and look for business books, those with questions in the title outnumber those with answers three to one. So I've done a lot of research on questions, but that's not the primary focus of my latest research in book. The focus is answers. And one thing that really struck me when I was doing research on questions were all those things I just mentioned. We know a lot about questions. We don't have a parallel understanding of answers. So to start with, I did research and identified a framework of six answer types story, metaphor, theory, concept, procedure, and action that individuals could use. And the last thing I'll say for the introduction is that, you know, questions are important. And if we boil it down, questions are for curiosity, but answers are for influence. So this is a framework that complements our understanding of questions, but allows us to influence others in the world around us. Thanks. That was really succinct. Thank you. So those you says metaphor and procedure. Is there a best way? You know, do you use all of them? Do you pick one? What's the best way to answer? Yeah, that's a great question. Uh, I'll start by sharing sort of a thought about uh, stories. I think uh, when I first introduced this framework and when I was doing the research, everyone sort of gravitated towards stories. And there's, you know, six answers, but they're gravitating towards stories. And I think that speaks to the fact that as a society, we really value stories. And stories are very important. So many individuals will start with stories. They'll they'll think about effective answers in terms of stories. And that's great. But a big focus of my research, I think, was to expand our understanding of answers that it's more than stories. And if you look at the AQ framework, it's a circular structure. And that has a specific meaning from a research standpoint, which I'll say for now, unless you want to get into that. But as a circular structure, the implication is sort of similar to like the Knights in the round table, right? It's a round table indicating that each of the answer modes have an equal seat at the table. So as I see it, each of these answer modes are potentially effective and no one answer mode is privileged over the other. With that being said, there's certain principles and rules related to conversations. So if someone asks you a why question, you can answer that with a theory or a story, a how question or procedure and action. So to some extent, you know, the choice of answers depends on the question being asked. That's insightful. In some situations, I guess it would be quite difficult to use every type to answer one question. It would just 
be almost a bit too much. Thinking back to stories, actually, you know, that, that's making me think about Johnson & Scholes cultural web, how important stories are for organisational culture. And do you think that might be why? I mean, as, you know, society in general, storytelling is in our culture, but it's also prevalent in organisations. So do you think that is why people answer with stories? Yeah, I think there's a lot of good reasons to answer with stories. It answers this why question. And narrative scholars have said that next to language itself, the defining attribute that makes us human is our ability to story the world. So stories are important and they should be used, but they should be used for sort of the right questions. And with that being said, and just to sort of make my case in brief that all the answers are important, I think you can make arguments for each of the other answer modes. Take concept. I think it was Victor Hugo who said, nothing is as important as an idea whose time has come. And, you know, the power of an idea, that's what a concept is. You know, ideas change the world. So I think you could really point to ideas being central. You can point to stories being central. You can talk about actions, right? In the business world, individuals want to get work done and actions are important. So I think if you really, um, you know, wanted to make an argument for it, all the answer modes are important. But to go back to your point, I think stories are so innate. Our ability to story the world is so important. So it's not surprising that we focus on stories. But my point is simple. It's just, it's more than stories. That was a great answer. Thank you, Brian. So for someone who, you know, is, is looking at answering talents, looking at the AQ framework, most people will probably be more comfortable with maybe like one or two ways of giving answers. I'm a big storyteller. I like metaphor, action and theory, I'm not so big on. So what would you say to someone who, you know, would be looking to develop a different area of their AQ? Yeah, I think, you know, it's, it's about awareness of the different answer types. It's about practice. You know, it's about trying something out. And I, I'll give you sort of a, an example and sort of expand upon that. So if many of us reflect upon, you know, AQs for important conversations. So if you think of interviews, for example, all of us that have gone on interviews, particularly in the pre-COVID world, when you go out in the real world, right, and do interviews, when the interview occurs, you start, let's say, over you know several weeks, right? You're sort of interviewing to get a job. And what happens is you have your first interview and you have a story. Maybe it's a little clumsy. And then as you go forward, you sort of figure out the stories that work and you use it over and over again and you feel comfortable. So my point is, if you were not familiar with stories, you would recognize this as a simple way to get good at stories. And the same thing can occur for other answer modes. You know, I've worked with a lot of individuals in, in corporate America and, and students, and oftentimes they're very uncomfortable with metaphors. We use metaphors all the time in our everyday language, but there's sort of a reticence to use them purposefully. And I simply sort of gave, give the example of interviews of stories. Try a metaphor and you're going to be surprised how people react. And the same thing is true for all the other answer modes. You try them and you're going to be surprised how people react. Okay, great. So like most things, it's practice then and maybe getting a little bit out of your comfort zone as well. Yeah, well said. Okay, thank you. So in the book, you know, there's various scenarios in which AQ is demonstrated and you've, you've already alluded to interview AQ. There's also sales AQ, coaching AQ, brand AQ, etc. Are there any other examples that you might have that aren't in the book because obviously we had word limits? Oh, that's, a, that's a good question. Obviously, in the book, we included some of the most relevant examples. I'll give you one example, you know, as I'm reaching out and working with uh, professional service firms and, and companies around the world, diversity, equity, and inclusion. 
that was something that uh, was a pleasant surprise in terms of an application. And I can sort of briefly expand upon that. Yeah, we live in a world where diversity, equity, inclusion is paramount. But if you are a senior executive team and you want to support diversity, equity, inclusion, but maybe you don't have a diverse organization and maybe your board itself is not diverse, you know, at the extreme, it could be white males, right? And you want to be more diverse, but how do you go from where you're at to where you want to go? And what we found, you know, working with some diversity, equity, inclusion consultants is that those individuals that want to support diversity sometimes don't have the language or the skills to communicate that desire and to get part of the conversation. So in short, AQ is being used as a framework to help with DEI conversations. So you can think about questions people may have, you know, why diversity? You can provide a diversity story and theory. You know, what is diversity? Define it as a concept, provide a metaphor. You know, how do we implement diversity? procedures and actions. So it gives anyone interested in an important conversation a framework to engage in that conversation in a confident manner. It's a really interesting perspective there as well, you know, especially when you're talking about language. That is a big thing within EDI, using the correct language, the correct terms, and people learning what are those. And there's plenty of people that are able to tell you and will be able to help. So that's really good. Thank you, Brian. Going back to um, what we talked about before, especially, you know, having face-to-face interviews haven't really happened in the, you know, last 18 months or so. So since people are now interacting less face-to-face and more virtually, verbal communication is probably more important than ever. So I guess what I'm trying to say is this is actually making AQ more important than ever. Would you agree with that? I would agree. I think there, you know, timing is interesting as, you know, the book came out, you know, in April, a lot of interest around the world, and it coincides with the pandemic, the virtualization of work. And to your point, I think what uh, across the spectrum from supervisors, managers, and the sales context, training and development, the problem is it's a crisis of communication. Before the pandemic, for example, in sales, B2B sales, you could go out and wine and dine your customer. And they have a two-hour conversation over dinner. You have longer meetings, right, when you're talking. This has all changed with virtualization. We don't have the luxury of sort of whining and dining and, in effect, to some extent, perhaps being clumsy in our communication, relying on sort of, you know, sentiment and um, desire to create relationships. When you're in the virtual world of, of Zoom and Google Meets, the conversations are shorter. There's less things like body language that oftentimes I think we've over relied upon. So when you're in an environment like this with Zoom or Google Meets, what is important, what our conversations are reduced to their essence. And in my estimation in the book, we make an argument that conversations are nothing less than questions and answers. And your ability to navigate questions and answers determines success or failure. So what we found is a lot of organizations that realize they're not communicating effectively and they're really looking to upskill that communication and AQ is a framework that can help to that end. I think it is so relevant and timely and that was a complete coincidence, wasn't it? So we, we didn't obviously plan that. Well, I absolutely agree. And I think a lot of people, they, they do work visually as well. So when they're talking to someone and they can't pick up those 
visual cues or that body language that would normally be able to face to face it's really hard to infer whether you're saying the right thing whether you're on the right track that must be I me mean, i'm just thinking the most difficult situation one of the difficult situations would be in an interview because you obviously infer so much from who's interviewing you and how they're sort of sitting and stuff so yeah it was really really interesting even using video it's still not the same you can see someone you can see their face but you don't see their whole body and obviously you know there's there can be lag so you don't see their reactions in time with your words as such so that's really interesting brian so going back do you think aq can be more useful sort of outside the business and organizational world can you think of applying it in sort of not the real world but you know your everyday conversations at home with friends can you see that yeah definitely i tedx presentation georgia tech and in that video sort of provide an example so will you be ready you know when your daughter asks you what is beauty to provide the right metaphor right so questions and answers whether they're explicit or implicit are part of every important conversation in life including family life so, you know, there's an example there, seeing a lot of interest and in hopefully in different applications that we can explore, one of which I'm really interested in is like uh, kindergarten through fifth grade, uh, 12th grade education. As individuals in school, you're taught, like I said, the six WH questions, but no parallel focus on answers. So if we want to educate our kids and have them be able to influence others, you have to be able to provide answers. So I think that space is very intriguing to me. I've had some discussions recently around resilience for individuals. And the basic setup there is at the very macro level, those in their 20s and 30s have been through a lot over you know the last uh, decade or so, a lot of financial and issues in the pandemic. And they're maybe not as resilient as the older generation or more vulnerable. So how do we help those individuals become more resilient? And I think part of the answer, no pun intended, is something like answer intelligence. One thing that I've reflected on that's been sort of eye-opening to me is that, you know, I'm an entrepreneur. I'm, I'm taking AQ to the world. And like any entrepreneur, it's sort of scary and you feel, am I doing the right thing? And resilience comes into play. And one thing I reflected on is my resilience goes up when I realize I have six answers around what I'm doing. I have a story for why I'm doing. I have a metaphor or metaphors I tell myself. I have clear procedures and actions I use. In a similar way, if you're a young adult trying to navigate the world, you may have one answer, a story you tell yourself. But if you have all the answers, you're going to harden your identity and your sense of self and be more resilient. So that's sort of a long answer there for resilience, but I think there's a lot of different applications and um, interested in exploring the different you know avenues for AQ. Brilliant. That's some really good examples there. So also, I know you've been quite busy besides writing the book. Do you want to talk a little bit more? This is your opportunity to plug. So you know you can talk a bit more about the assessments, the app that's in planning stages, and also the RaiseYourAQ.com website. You want to go and explain a bit more about that? Yes, absolutely. So first and foremost, a great place to start is the book, right? You know, the Answer Intelligence book. That's great. But what I found is that books are an important piece of the puzzle. But as I was working with enterprises around the world, 
I found that I needed to develop assessments and tools to help them utilize AQ to sort of make it part of the fabric of what they're doing as an organization. So we've developed a, a suite of assessments and tools that include a free Explore AQ test that anyone can take right now. Go to our website and you can gauge your understanding of AQ. It's a great way to start. And I think the purpose of this tool is to make you fully aware that answers are important. And thinking through the right answers is something perhaps for many of us we haven't thought of before. And it's a good primer to sort of get you in the right direction. And we have other tools that lead up to an app. I think an app is very important. Communication, we think of it as a habit. Apps are good at habits, right? So iPhone, Android app, where you can um, make AQ a communication habit over four weeks. So we have an app you can use. So those are some of the tools we're developing, and we're working with professional service firms around the world and enterprises. That's great. As you said, you know, it's always good to sort of go beyond the book. The book is a great starting point, but books aren't for everyone. Maybe start with the app and see how you get on. That's absolutely fine. There's also quite a bit of material on mindtools.com as well, isn't there? Yeah, we've had a a nice collaboration with them. They have their own uh, spotlight features about AQ, uh, write-ups. You can also purchase the book directly through MindTools. So we've had, you know, thousands of visitors and many book purchases. So that's been a wonderful collaboration. And I think my final question, and this actually might be a little bit tough to answer, but I'm sure you can do it. What do you see as the future for AQ and answer intelligence? Yeah, that's an easy one. I've been thinking about that. I will say this before I answer that. One thing I I like to say when I'm talking about AQ is that I'm a a coach, not a player, because there is an expectation if you write a book about answers, you'd be great at answers. I think I'm improving, but I know others are even better than I am. So I'm a coach. That being said, to, to get at your question, my vision for AQ is that this is a dominant, important communication framework that's used around the world. That's going to help individuals increase their influence with others and their most important conversations. So to realize that vision, you know, we want to work through partners around the world that are leading consulting firms, training firms, coaching firms. And that's what we're doing right now. That's the vision for AQ. That's a great vision. It's so clear. The vision that it will just be so known, I think, is good. You know, it'll just be one of those things that just naturally occurs people start learning it they're adapting it that's what we would like to see so thank you for joining me today brian it's, it's been really good to talk about answer intelligence and aq and you know as i said it's just so excited to not just have a book but an app and assessments and all these extra things that you can do thank you fiona and it's it's always a pleasure to speak with you and the things you do at emerald are amazing so thank you for having me on this podcast Thank you for listening to this episode. The full transcript is available on the website as well as more information about our wonderful guest Brian, who I'd like to thank again for joining me today. And my thanks to Alex from This Is Distorted for the editing of this podcast.